So my biggest piece of advice is to recognize that what is happening is a physiologically normal response to this intense amount of stress that your nervous system is experiencing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Today, we're so lucky to have Larissa Galeris, who is an occupational therapist who specializes in helping parents to regulate their senses and emotions to nourish their relationship with their children. She is the face behind the Instagram account, Steady Parents. Larissa and I were just talking about the idea that her account is really focused on the parent and how to get the parent what they need so that they can show up in a way that they are proud of for their kid. So I want to know, Larissa, why did you become so passionate about helping parents find their steadiness? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. Truly, I love your content so much. I love your mission of helping women get and feel strong and confident. And I do love your workout app as well. Um, So like you mentioned, I am an occupational therapist. And so I first actually found out about occupational therapy through my cousin who was starting her OT program. And I had been a coach at Special Olympics um, in high school. And I fell in love with that amazing, I did it experience that I got to witness from the athletes every day. And so OT seemed like the perfect way to be able to witness that experience every day at work. So I set my my sights on OT programs, eventually got my master's degree. Um, I started out in the pediatric world, working with children with sensory processing disorders, autism, ADHD. And then when I had my own son, when he was about 18 months, I hit my head while I was hiking and I suffered a pretty serious concussion. So I had to stop working in the clinic because I had my own sensory processing issues. And as I kind of came out of that initial fog, I realized that I had the tools to help myself that I had learned in the clinic from treating these children, but I just had to figure out how to apply them. So I started to try to treat myself from a sensory standpoint. And as I was talking to more parents about it and really thinking back to the parents of the children that I had treated, I realized that every parent needed these tools because even without head injuries, we are all so overstimulated. And so soon after, Steady Parents was born. 
Oh, and that's so interesting. We were talking quick beforehand and I was telling you, I just didn't expect this part of parenthood. Like I really didn't know how overstimulating it could be. So I thought a really good place to start would be if you could define for us sensory dysregulation or overstimulation and what that really looks and feels like for a parent. Yeah. So in a nutshell, sensory dysregulation is what happens when your nervous system cannot make sense of what is happening around you and within you. So sensory integration is the process by which we take in information from our environment and from our bodies. We interpret it. So essentially we understand what it is and what it means for us and our survival. And then we respond to it. So it's this whole complex process. And when we are unable to do this complex process, then that is sensory dysregulation. Now, overstimulation is a type of sensory dysregulation. It's when we get overwhelmed by sensory input. So often that can be noise or touch that ends up being like the hammer that the last nail in the coffin that's really like that last straw. Um, And we can't process it all, but we can also become dysregulated by not getting enough sensory input. Or you can become Mm. dysregulated by having too much of some types of input, but then not enough of other types of input. So in terms of what that feels like, it can be pretty individualized to the person, but some of the most common responses that I get when I ask people to describe it in themselves is feeling jumpy, quick to irritability, feeling like you yell out of nowhere, your ears might start ringing, your jaws and your shoulders get tight, you could have a headache, you could zone out scrolling on your phone, you could be struggling to carry out a thought or understand what someone else is saying. You might feel dizzy or your vision gets blurry or kind of tunneled in, or your body might feel hot, heavy, or tingly. Oh my goodness. It's so interesting to hear people's different experiences. I know that I've, I've had a lot in my time. And one of them too, is like one of the boys will be on my laps and I'll just get like this, like feeling of like, I need them to immediately be off my lap. Like I just, it like, it's like a recoil. Like I can't Mm -hmm. be touched And it can come on, the feeling can come on suddenly and like understanding that it was probably a lot more that happened before that to cause it is really interesting. So I want to talk about different signs or reasons why moms can really struggle with overstimulation. And then what are your best coping strategies for us if people are feeling those things that you just described? Yeah. So Let's take a minute to think about all of the demands that are placed on us as mothers. And then there's some that we place on ourselves. So there are competing noises. There is so much touch. There's this internal urgency to complete tasks that are never actually completable, like laundry or dishes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there is this running mental load list. There's random smells everywhere. You're always tripping over someone or something that, you know, I have a one and a half year old and she's just always right there under my legs. And so if you take a minute to zoom out and find the common denominator with all of those, they are all very, very alerting. So all of these tasks individually will increase your autonomic nervous system arousal. And for a very good reason, at its most most foundational level, your sensory system exists to keep you safe. So when you sense something that could be dangerous, like tripping or a loud noise or light touch, you get an increase in arousal level. A quickened heart rate, a small gasp, sometimes you might get a drop in your gut. 
The next thing that should happen is that you process that input, realize that it was actually just a toy that made that noise, and then relax and return to a parasympathetic nervous system state. But when all of those things happen on top of each other, or when it seems to be endless, you can start to live in this sympathetic state where you never get the chance to relax, and then you become primed to look for more cues of danger. And then subtle input can feel so much more triggering. You, can, you can't make sense of it all, and then you become dysregulated. Just hearing that, I'm like, it makes so much sense. Totally, totally. And it's it can just feel like so much. So in terms of coping strategies, it's really important to understand your triggers so that you can literally tell yourself, oh, that was just noise. It makes sense that I'm feeling like this and I am safe. So I have a whole library of coping strategies in my online program, Sensing Your Needs in Parenthood, that you can individualize to your own unique needs. But two of my favorite ones are leaning against a wall and eating crunchy or chewy snacks because those two give you grounding, regulating input that can make your body go, oh, okay, I'm right here and I'm just fine. Mm, I've learned too to just like take care of the noise when you can. So for me, I know a lot of times like the TV being on in the background when no one's watching it or the fan being on what do you call that? Like the stove fan being on? Oh my gosh. I have to turn those off. And like, I just know that that's really helpful. And that sounds so small, but we're telling you like that really can start to help you. Absolutely. And it also gives you a sense of control in a, in an environment that feels uncontrollable too. You're just, you know, I got this one. I can do this. And you just feel your whole body relax. Even my son will now start when I turn off the stove vent, he'll he will go, ah. and I don't know if it's like a learned response from hearing me do it, or if it really is his nervous system responding to it, but it's true. It's just this whole body. Ah. Now I can relax. I wanted to talk about a post that you shared that really spoke loudly to me and the team. It said, when I'm overstimulated, I can be kind to myself, leave the laundry in the basket change into comfortable clothes, not answer my phone. Again, these are very simple tips, but I think a lot of us are nodding our head because they really make sense. Anything that you can add here? Yeah. So that is actually one of my favorite posts because it is so important, but sometimes as moms, we have a hard time letting go of the demands that we place upon ourselves. So I went to the zoo yesterday, just me with my two children, and I talked about it on Instagram, what I did to prepare myself for the stimulation and how I used in the moment strategies to make sure that I could handle it all. But one of the key points that I tried to emphasize was that if I didn't think I could have handled that situation, I would not have gone. Mm. You don't have to push yourself to get to these activities that are supposedly fun for your children. It's not fun for you or for your kids if you are overwhelmed stressed and snapping at them. So stay home and enjoy your kids in a quiet, controlled environment. That is really what matters to them. And that's where joyful connection is built in an emotional environment where everybody feels safe, not by pushing yourself to do something that your nervous system can't handle. So something I'd add to that list is don't do all of the things, figure out what you can handle and do that instead. 
I am so glad that I heard this right now because on my walk with my partner, he was talking about this weekend going to this basketball tournament. And like my gut reaction right away is like, babe, that literally sounds like the least appetizing thing I could think of just being in a gym with our three kids, because you know, they're still going to be crawling around Mm -hmm. with all the noise. And I feel like that's me getting in touch with my sensory system and, and literally telling him like, that does not sound like a good idea for myself at this stage, you know, like I really have learned to kind of look at things and think about like the way that I'm going to feel when I'm there. And so that made so much sense to me. Another thing that we already touched on, but I want to expand on is this idea of touch. And a lot of our community, they have had that feeling of really being touched out. You know, a lot of them have small kids. They are on us all day. They are touching us. I want to know what can people do if this is their experience? Because you and I have chatted about this before, but one way that it can show up is then with our partners and like our partner, we're just like, we don't have any touch left to give you. I don't want to cuddle. Um, So I want you to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. So feeling touched out seems like a pretty universal mom feeling. And I remember my mom used to say to us when we were kids, I am not a jungle gym. And to be completely honest, when I was a kid, I had absolutely no idea what that meant. It didn't mean anything to me. But now that I am getting used as a jungle gym, I'm like, oh, that's what she meant. And since I know my mom will be listening, I'm officially sorry, mom, for climbing (laughs) on you all of the time. But this feeling of touchdown happens when we get inundated with light alerting touch, like kids tapping on you or climbing on you or your clothes are not really fitting right or your messy bun is falling out and tickling your neck. So all of these types of touch are processed through the protective part of our tactile system, because this is also the type of touch that alerts us of danger. So if you think poison oak brushing against your leg or a spider spider crawling up your arm, but what we don't get as much of is deep pressure, which allows us to feel nuances of touch and essentially allows us to make sense of touch. So what we are often getting is this get off of me touch and not, oh, that's what that is, touch. So it only makes sense that we get touched out because we are. We are totally flooded with alerting touch that makes our nervous system completely panic. And then going back to at the end of the day, when your partner gives you that little stroke of like, hey, I love you. It's nice to see you. It's like one more, oh my gosh, alerting touch. And you just can't handle it. And it took that From a nervous system perspective, that makes sense because, again, you are primed to defense by that point because you are getting inundated with defensive input. And so one more is just like, nope, not doing that. But what we can do is think about how we can counteract it with deep pressure. So this could be leaning against a wall. It could be laying under a weighted blanket. could be having our partner giving us a big bear hug. All of these can be very regulating to an overwhelmed tactile system. It's really interesting how our preferences can change in different seasons of our life as well. I've shared this with you before, but for the listeners, like even my husband, when we are being intimate, he often like does light touch because I used to really like that. And now he knows I'm like, I cannot 
handle that. Like, I really want you to have a firmer touch because otherwise it takes me out of the moment. And I'm like almost having that like shivering response again. And I'd rather tell him what I need than like not enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And that you made that comment in our, um, when I was on the herself podcast and that's actually what I'd like to credit you for that comment because that is what led to one of my reels that ended up going completely viral. And then I had this exponential growth. So thank you for that comment because it really helped me think about that. And I made this reel about the differences in light touch and deep pressure when you are being intimate with your partner. And that resonated with so many moms because they're just so overwhelmed. And so what happens is that alerting touch, it used to be arousing. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is arousing. Mm -hmm. And when you were already in an, in a regulated state, you want a little bit of arousal to, to get to that point where you can be intimate with your partner. But if you are already too aroused from a nervous system perspective, then just one more again, is just like, nope, not, not happening. And my response to that is it's so interesting because often in motherhood, we can feel really alone. I didn't understand why that was happening to me, let alone understand that so many other women also feel that way. Like it can make you feel kind of bad. You're like, wait, why don't I like, like my husband gently kissing up my arm? I used to love that why don't I like that anymore? So I love having conversations like this because it just really normalizes, hey, there's actually reasons that we go through this and reasons that you've changed what you like or what you need in this particular season. I'm sure after our kids are a little more grown up, maybe I'll like that again. So, and I also want to mention, if you are feeling touched out, I do have a free touched out audio guide and accompanying accompanying script on my website to help you in the moment to come out of that intense feeling of being touched out. So it'll walk you through what is happening and what you can do right now in the moment to help you move through it. Because like you said, you are not alone. And once I put this this resource out there, I've gotten so, so many downloads and so many people saying, oh my gosh, like, thank you for being there with me as I walk through this. Um, And I do also have an entire module on touch in my online program as well that helps really dive deep into all of this because it is fascinating how many layers are involved. Mm -hmm. And like you said, once you can make sense of it, even just cognitively, if you can't stop the touch, it can really, really help with that overwhelm. One thing that I also saw you write about is this idea that women can really feel like they struggle with procrastination. And you gave a reframe and flip the script to say prioritization. So I want to hear your take on this, if you would expand on this idea. Yeah. So this actually stemmed from a conversation I had with my close friend. We are co-fundraising chairs on the board for our son's preschool. And we had a lot to do and a lot of people asking us questions about some things that we just weren't ready to answer yet. And as my friend and I were talking about how to manage all of these questions, this, I'm not procrastinating, I'm prioritizing, it just came out of my mouth and her jaw dropped and she was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm feeling too. So essentially what we need to realize is that we need to move at our own pace. We need to figure out what matters, which spoiler alert, we matter. 
and prioritize the things that take care of those needs. You'll still get it all done, but maybe not in the same order or the same pace as you feel that others expect you to. You know, sometimes I feel like I I said this on Instagram. I feel like everybody else is on that moving walkway in the airport and I'm just like trying to figure out how to grab all my stuff so I can get onto the walkway. You're like the one where people are like, can you get off the walkway? (laughs) Like you're not, you're not fast enough here. Totally. And I'm like still trying to tie my shoes from security and everybody's like, go, go, go. But you know, if, if you're stressed out about everybody else's pace, then that also adds to your dysregulation. So be confident in your own priorities. Take the time to tie your shoes before you step on the walkway. Know your needs and the needs of your family. Prioritize those. It's not procrastinating. It's focusing on what is important. And eventually it all comes together in a much more manageable way. Another topic that we did touch on, but I want to dive a little further into is auditory overstimulation. This is one that I have definitely struggled with. As a mom of three very loud boys, there have been times where I have literally had to take a break, drive in my car with no music, no podcast, nothing, just have time away from the noise. And I've been telling you, like, I could still hear like a buzzing in my ears. Can you break down for us this idea of auditory overstimulation? Yes. So it can be one of the biggest triggers for moms. And it can often really take moms by surprise with how overwhelmed they can get. So there's a branch of the vagus nerve, which is responsible for autonomic nervous system regulation that innervates the muscles of the middle ear so that we can respond adaptively to sound. Because of this, sound is our is a significant part of our ability to tune in, connect, and engage, or on the flip side, get out of there because something's going on and we need to keep ourselves safe. So in this way, we are supposed to be triggered by noise. But again, just like we talked about with light touch, we are flooded with quote-unquote danger noise We get high frequency noises like shrieks or electronics that signal distress. That means we need to tune in and figure out who needs us and what's the problem. But then we're also inundated with low frequency sounds like background noise, like the laundry running or the dishwasher or the stove vent, which evolutionarily signals that a predator is nearby. So we need to get out of there. So we get this tune in because somebody needs us and also get out of here because someone's coming after us. And it's rare that we get this mid-range frequency, the sound of a soft human voice. And that is what can regulate us and invite us in for social connection. So we're constantly in this sympathetic state or fight or flight state because we don't have the chance to relax before the next alerting noise happens. And then they can just happen on top of each other, on top of each other. And then, like I mentioned before, we get primed to defensive responses. And then subtleties of sound can trigger us even more. So it just means that our nervous system is working overtime. And like you said, you can, when you get to this place where there's no noise, if you're driving in your your car, you can still feel it. You feel this buzzing because you're still coming down from such an intense environment where your, your, the, the muscle in your ear is, was working really hard to filter it all out. And it just needs time to relax. It's a muscle, just like the rest of our muscles. 
It's so interesting because when people, when people have their phones and their phones make noise, I'm like, wow, we are so different. I'm on silent mode all the time. I don't have any alarms. I cannot handle it. My husband has like this choo-choo text message. I'm like, I cannot, I can't, I can't do it. Another interesting thing that I've seen you bring up before is how weak core musculature might relate to all of this. Can you expand on that? Yes. So this one, I love to bring it up because I love to watch people's mind be blown by it. And it totally makes sense that people's mind would be blown because why would those two be related? But as with everything else in our sensory system, it's all related. So core stability is our central reference point for sensory integration. This means that it helps us understand where we are in space. Just like I said, where sensory system is our ability to to find safety in our environment. Core stability is a part of that. So if we don't have postural stability, it's like we're living life on a dock floating on water. So we need to tend, so we tend to find our own compensatory strategies for stability because we need stability, but this could be holding tension patterns or locking out our joints, but then that affects our breathing patterns and our movement patterns. We can't get deep regulatory breaths in those positions. Like if you have your leg pulled, hiked up onto a chair, or you really have your pelvis tilting forward. All of those compensatory strategies that we do affect our ability to take in deep regulatory breaths, and it affects our ability to move fluidly. So then our nervous system, again, gets to this primed for defense state because it can't feel secure in a chaotic environment because it's not in a position where it even knows where it is. So then incoming sensory input can feel more challenging to process and it quick, quickly sends you over the edge into overstimulation. And if we've been pregnant and given birth, then we have huge postural changes and our bodies often don't know how to reset without intentional rehab. That just honestly did blow my mind too. And one thing we say often on the podcast is we live in a world where like, we almost want to think of the body as different systems and everything is so interconnected. And it's so important to understand that one thing that, you know, that we are really passionate about is using exercise as a tool to help your nervous system. I know that my sister Crystal and you did a collaboration in which you talked about the benefits of diaphragmatic breathing as a coping mechanism for overstimulation because deep breathing stimulates the vagus nerve, which can help to calm our systems down. And exercise does provide those endorphins, those feel good endorphins in a mental boost. So I would love if you could expand on any benefits that you see to exercise and breath work as we navigate our overstimulation and try to get through these little people years the best we can. Yes. So for one, like we just said, getting back to that postural stability, hip stability, core stability, rib cage stability, diaphragm stability, it's all related and so important in our ability to process sensory input in a way that helps our bodies make sense of it. So we have to strengthen those patterns so that we can really have that foundational reference point for sensory integration. Another important thing that exercise does is that it provides you with vestibular and proprioceptive stimulation. 
So vestibular input is input into the inner ear that tells you about your head position in space as it relates to gravity. So this means if you're right side up, if you're upside down, if you're falling straight towards the ground, we need a certain amount of vestibular input to keep our body feeling secure in the environment so that we know where we are and how we relate to everything around us. It's like our internal GPS. I saw this online one time, somebody said that, and it just tells you where you are in space and it helps you stay alert and regulated. And exercise does this. It gives you that vestibular input in a predictable, controlled way, which is so important. The other thing that we get from exercise is proprioceptive stimulation, which is input into our muscles and joints. And this is very regulating. It can calm an overstimulated system or it can bring up an understimulated system. So either way, it's a go-to strategy. You will hear OTs talk about heavy work all the time. It's our go-to strategy because it works for almost everything. And then last but not least is breath work. So an intentional exhale literally changes the way your nervous system is responding in the moment. If you were in true danger, you would not be able to take an exhale because you'd be running from danger. So once you take that exhale, it tells your nervous system that you are not in danger and it is okay to relax. Mm, I love understanding the why behind things. And I know so many of our listeners do as well. That's why they listen. I wanted to shift gears a little bit because right now when we are talking to you, people are really in the middle of sick season. So kids are sick. Parents are sick. There's sickness seemingly everywhere. And I know that this is something in which a mom can get really overstimulated when she is maybe sick herself and trying to deal with sick kids. Are there any tips and tricks you have for when this is the case? Yes. So this goes back to that. I can be kind to myself by. So what are the demands you are placing on yourself that aren't really necessary? Use paper plates. It's okay. Paper plates are compostable. So if you need to use them, you can throw them in the compost bin. Don't respond to phone calls. Wear clothes straight out of the laundry, out of the clean laundry basket instead of folding them and putting them away. And then you also want to find ways to reduce stimulation as well. So dim the lights, take a dark steam shower, listen to audiobooks instead of watching TV to reduce visual stimulation. And then you can also write down everything you're supposed to be monitor, monitoring so you could, don't have to keep it all in your head. You know, if you have multiple kids who are sick and you have to keep track of who had Tylenol win and who had ibuprofen win and making sure you're keeping it all right on the right schedule, write it down. Don't try to keep it in your head. Just if you can write it down, take it out of your mental load and just know that it's there and your partner can see it too, then that can be huge. Mm, I love how tangible those were. I wanted to end with this. I know that there are so many people that feel like they're really in the trenches of being overstimulated and being touched out. Could you leave them with your best piece of advice that you would give to them right now? Yeah. So my biggest piece of advice is to recognize that what is happening is a physiologically normal response to this intense amount of stress that your nervous system is experiencing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. 
If you just go to my page and read the comments on all of my posts, it's so clear that we are all in this together. And you don't have to live like this. There are actual evidence-based tools that can help you feel better. So one of my top, top tools is leaning against a wall because the wall is right there. It helps reduce postural demands. It cuts out information coming from behind you. Your kids don't realize you're doing anything out of the ordinary. It's my favorite strategy. And it just gives you a minute to go, oh, it's okay. It's all right. Everything's fine. I'm going to have to use that wall one. I have used a lot of your tips in the past. Like sometimes I chew gum now when I'm going into daycare pickup, because that's very overstimulating for me or having a crunchy snack, but I have to still try the wall one or rubbing my ear, ear low. Yes. Yes. Larissa, this is so, so helpful. So I would love if you let people know where they could find more of you. Yes. So I am on Instagram at steady parents where we have a huge community of overstimulated and fiercely loving parents. And it's just, it's honest. It's my favorite because I just love to see how parents, the the light bulb goes on like, oh, that's why this is happening. It goes back to why I even became an OT. It's this, I did it. Look at this. I understand what's happening now. And we're all in this together. And if this resonates with you and you want more information on really taking a deep dive into your sensory needs and triggers and creating a personalized approach to supporting yourself from a sensory perspective, I do have an online program called Sensing Your Needs in Parenthood. So you can go much deeper than we can in this interview or on Instagram on understanding your needs and implementing the strategies to support your nervous system. So the way that the program is set up is if you are in a good headspace and ready to create a plan, you can start at the beginning of the program and work your way through it. Or if you really feel like you're drowning, you can start at the end of the program where we have this SOS vault. And that's where you find in the moment support for feeling touched out, feeling overwhelmed by noise and generally overwhelmed and overstimulated. And then you go backwards into the sensory self-care library and you identify tools that you think might work for you. And then you can work towards learning more about yourself and then creating sustainable habits and routines so you can lessen those moments of overstimulation. That sounds so good. And I love that the idea that when they go find you over at Study Parents, they're going to see that they're not alone. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate if you shared it in your Instagram story tagging at steady parents and at expecting and empowered. Thanks so much for listening.